0: You are now tuned in to Poppy Chulo Radio, your web portal for the best in pop culture news and interviews. Initiative, Werewolf
1: by Night. Welcome to the Avengers Initiative, Werewolf by Night, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Popchulo Radio, Pop Culture on Demand. Today is Saturday, October fifteenth, twenty twenty-two, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on Disney Plus's Marvel's Werewolf by Night. Please welcome my co-host, Priscilla Obregón. Hello. Hello. Wait,
0: right. I was trying to make his accent, but I can't. But it was a
1: little creepy, nonetheless. Thank see? you. You're welcome. And Vinnie Hatcher.
2: Good evening. I do hope my attendance delights you.
1: We'll see. It's barely 30 seconds into the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>
2: the best quote i could find
1: (laughs) no that was good i like it all right let's jump into our discussion of a marvel special presentation which was titled werewolf by night and debuted october 7th 2022 via disney plus here's the official synopsis of the episode On a dark and somber night, a secret cabal of monster hunters emerge from the shadows and gather at the foreboding Bloodstone Temple following the death of their leader. In a strange and macabre memorial to the leader's life, the attendees are thrust into a mysterious and deadly competition for a powerful relic, a hunt that will ultimately bring them face to face, with a dangerous monster. Dun dun dun! I tried to make it as dramatic and as horror-infused as possible. Did it work? I don't know. You
0: also made it the longest it's ever been. Like yes. not about the length, but the fact that there's detail to it. There is wow. detail.
1: Yes. I was okay. So let's talk about this. A Marvel special presentation. Werewolf by Night, and I'm going to start this off as we usually do here on the Avengers Initiative, and that's by asking our relationship with Werewolf by Night, were we familiar? Had we read anything outside of familiarizing ourselves with him via Wikipedia? Was this a familiar name to any of us? Priscilla?
0: (laughs) I know nothing about this about this character. I'm like, "What? There's a werewolf in the MCU?" And somebody somewhere was like, "Yeah, he's associated with like Moon Knight and with uh Blade." And I'm like, "Huh?" But I figured it was going to be something like that cuz everything there is like kind of dark and supernatural in a way that like the Mummy and like that whole series is for like films. So it doesn't surprise me that there's a supernatural dark side to Marvel. And I to this moment, I still haven't wikipedia anything about him because I want to know more about him organically. I want him to come out in movies. I want him to come out in more TV shows. I just think this is a really cool character.
1: So basically when you heard about Werewolf by Night, you were like, I hate to say it, I hope I don't sound ridiculous. I don't know this who this man is. I mean, he could be walking down the street. I wouldn't. Sorry to this man.
0: <laughs> Pretty much. But I did know that who he was cast as. When, and when I heard that it was going to be a Mexican man and that it is that fine-ass specimen of Mexican man, I was, like, down for this. I was, like, this is going to be my Halloween treat.
1: All right. Vinny, what about you? Were you familiar with the werewolf by the
2: night? Very, very distantly and by proxy um, because of Elsa Bloodstone. I knew about her. Uh-huh. Um, I, I knew about her because she showed up when I was playing Marvel Future Fight, like, religiously. I got her. And I was like, who the hell is this character? I've never heard of her before. And so I, I dove into my whole comic subscription, and I had read um, – there was this uh, limited series called Damnation where Wong actually brought her to be part of, like, a new version of the Midnight Suns with Blade, Dr. Voodoo, and some others. Um, so I knew about her, and, like, she lived in this manner with, like, the Frankenstein monster, and I thought it was really cool, and I always meant to go more into her story, but I never did. Um, and then I, by proxy, I heard about the werewolf, and I, I, I always remembered him because his name is Jack Russell, like, the dog. <laughs> Yeah.
0: It took until this moment for me to make that connection. Thank you. You're
1: welcome. It's funny. Marvel Comics back in the day. Funny and punny. And I had no idea who this man was. Like, I could do the whole quote from Kiki Palmer, uh, as I did with Priscilla moments ago. But um, I already did it. But basically, that's me. Uh, I had no idea who this was. I was really excited, though. 'Cause I enjoy everything horror. I, I enjoy scary movies, I enjoy uh films that deal with the supernatural. So the fact that, you know, we were already getting supernaturally stuff in the MCU with like Doctor Strange and WandaVision and that sort of thing. You know, the fact that now that we have full on horror with uh, you know, not just supernatural creatures, but you know, like the darker side of the supernatural and the spooky and the ooky and all that kind of stuff, uh, I was really, really excited because you mentioned a character that I'm dying to see in the MCU, Vinny. I want to see Doctor Voodoo, Brother Voodoo, somewhere in the MCU, oh, uh, either it, with his own Disney Plus series, a a Marvel special presentation installment, or on the big screen like I need to see that character come to life I became familiar with that character via the mobile game uh, Marvel's contest of champions and he's just so cool and I've read about him and so the, that is is a character that I need to see be brought to life but let's speak about this character that was brought to life and let's talk about the opening because there were two special things in this opening that made this this special incredibly distinct. The first is we got a brand new logo at the start of this. We got the logo for what's going to be, you know, these Marvel special presentations. You know, this is the very first one. uh, Spoiler alert to the listeners, but we will be getting another one during the holidays. Uh, I don't know when it's going to be released, because uh, well, they didn't announce this one until a couple weeks before it was released. So whether we get the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special in November or in December, that's coming up. So that will be the second Marvel special presentation. Um, Michael Giancino, who directed and scored Werewolf by Night, and also scored the general Marvel Studios logo, logo Uh also scored this one. So that was kind of neat. And, uh, Mark, Michael Giancino ended up remixing the Marvel Studios opening and turned it all werewolf by nighty, you know, with, uh, claws and screams and, uh, and even kind of almost like a mono type of soundtrack. It, it was beautiful and brilliant the opening the new logo the remixed logo what did we think vinny any thoughts
2: oh i loved it i am such a horror for like old school universal horror the monsters the classics dracula frankenstein the wolfman like they they may be cheesy but back then they were not they were actually scary for the audiences back then and there was such a focus on atmosphere and setting the mood and right out of the gate, I knew I was going to love this because of what they did with the credits, the atmosphere, the black and white, just the appreciation and homage to the classics. It it had me at the very beginning. So I was absolutely in love. It had you at, hello. It did.
1: Priscilla, do you have anything to add? Uh, I, I don't want to jump over you. I, I'm like, I'm dying to get into this, but do you have anything else to add in regards to the, Hi. yes, go ahead.
0: And watch the opening. I was just like, I wish. They hadn't revealed through the credits, not the credits, through the sneak peeks that they put on YouTube, that it was going to be black and white, because when I saw the Marvel, like, theme in black and white, and I saw, and I heard the remix, like, I was just charmed. I completely agree with Fini. It gives a Universal Monsters feel, and it's, I don't know, as soon as I heard the music, I know, I knew this was going to be good because music just, like, kind of sets the tone for everything. And this was just so classic horror with a flash of modernism with the Marvel theme. So I, I was charmed from the first.
1: Well, yes, as that great spoken word poet once said, music makes the bourgeoisie and the rebel.
0: Thank you.
2: You're welcome. (laughs) I appreciated that as
0: well.
1: Okay, good. All right, so let's get into this. Let's dive deep into this special. And uh, I want to, I mean, you guys lightly touched on it, but I want to take a deeper dive into how this special was crafted. And a lot of that was in the visual aesthetic. You know, this special was, for the most part, up until a certain point... And not including a particular item. This was a black and white special that hearkened back to the Universal Monsters. As Vinny said, Dracula, the Wolfman, clearly. Uh, the Mummy, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, Frankenstein. Like, it hearkened back to that era. Uh, and uh, I will say they took advantage of the black and white spectacularly. As both of you mentioned, the usage of light and shadow, brilliant. I mean, there was one, in, there was one fight sequence where, you know, the light was disappearing and I was just like, good grief, this is gorgeous. And it's in black and white, but it's absolutely stunning. The entire black and white motif that was used uh brilliantly throughout what was this it was like a 54 minute special so i guess for like 48 minutes 49 minutes 50 minutes was gorgeous it was brilliant it was spectacular like now i'm thinking of that uh the the lady gaga quote gorgeous brilliant spectacular amazing like it was all of that it was stunning and the fact that they used the the bloodstone and they allowed that to retain its color it reminded me of um like briefly of like sin city of uh th- there are other things like pleasantville um i can't think of anything else where you know we've seen black and white and color um oh recently thor uh love and thunder oh yeah yeah, I love when we have that because it's almost and probably anachronistic isn't the right term, but it, it's it's incredibly striking whenever we've had in the past a black and white production that decides to sparingly sprinkle in color. You know, they usually pick something that's supposed to mean something incredibly important to show us the color and uh, having the Bloodstone be sort of like this, you know, the rubiest of the ruby red was beautiful. Uh, Priscilla, your thoughts on everything black and white and, so, and how it was used.
0: So I have a little bit more of like guess, sneak peek about it. Because I remember reading an article where the director made it a point to shoot it in film that, I think he shot it twice and made the colors of everything, like, saturated enough so it would look good in black and white, but shot it in color, too, just in case he couldn't do it. And when he showed it to Feige, he's like, I know what you expect from Warwolf by Night, but before you look at anything, take a look at this. And showed him the black and white one, and he looked at it, compared it to the original, and was like, We're gonna have to shoot. We're gonna have to show it in black and white, aren't we? Because this is just—it gives a whole different feel. And that man is smart as hell, and this is why Marvel makes the big bucks because stylistically, it's just so good. I know there's probably gonna be a few naysayers that are like, "But I don't have my colors. It's detailed and blah blah blah, and I don't like old movies." But this isn't for you. This is for everyone else that has taste. And this was good. And I'm just going to say. The fact that they had. The Bloodstone be red. And not just red. Like any like ordinary sort of red. Or an ordinary gem. Or like a ruby or something like that. Where they just CGI everything. Except the ruby. So you can see the red. Like this fiery. Like a glowy. Like other natural. Like supernatural gem. And it worked so well. And for all of the naysayers that are like, we didn't get any color. Well, you get color in the end and when everything's back to normal and it works. It, give, like, it gives for both fans. For fans that like really like modern takes and really like seeing everything in its detailed form. And fans that like horror and like nods to the past in their work. So it, it appeases everything. And this is really good.
1: Benny, do you have anything else to add in regards to the overall visual aesthetic of Werewolf by Night?
2: I won't belabor it too much further because Priscilla did an excellent job of discussing it. But, you know, one of the things that I have always admired about the black and white aesthetic is that color is a crutch. Color and vibrancy are a crutch that they do a lot for setting the mood and setting the tone. And so when you are watching something that has, you know, a a duochrome black and white aesthetic where you can't see the rich tones of like the fabric of a chair and like the way you know, a room just looks white and black, you can't see what the actual colors are to help you determine, like, what is that room's atmosphere? You know, like, you walk into somebody's house, and the colors in that room help you understand that person, or they, they set a certain mood. You don't have that. So as an actor, you have to endeavor to work harder. Um so anytime I watch a black and white film, I have a very high level of appreciation but I also have a very high level of expectation when they do it in modern day because it is very easy for it to go very bad very quickly. But from the get-go, they didn't take themselves seriously, and I think that's what allowed them to be very successful. They knew they were doing like a comical homage to the old days of classic horror. And so by knowing that even back then, those horror movies were were not super serious because they were over the top – I think it allowed them to have the right amount of fun to be able to craft something that was also believably dramatic when it needed to be. It was a a fun experience, and the tone was set wonderfully from the beginning.
1: Definitely. I read an interesting quote from, uh, uh, it might have been Michael Giangino, uh, that basically said something to the gist of that the reason why they were able to get away with a lot of the violence and the gore in this was because it was in black and white. I mean, we had blood splatter. Like, there was a lot of blood splatter, and people were getting their yeah. arms chopped up. I mean, it was so beautiful and wondrous and magical for us that enjoy, you know, scary movies and that sort of thing. It was just fantastic. But I can totally understand that if this were in color, all that blood and stuff... I mean, I don't think it it would have had a much more mature rating on Disney+. Plus. I mean, this could have been the first kind of official R-rated situation. But because of the black and white, they were able to really get away with a lot in a good way. And NGL, I would actually like to see the color version. Just to see it, you know, just to compare. Like, I think the, the black and white would still be superior because of what they did and how they did it and uh, the, the lighting, the shadow, all that stuff would be very different in color. So it would be a different experience. And, and I already know my preferred experience would be what we got, but the curiosity, you know, there like, there are so many black and white TV shows out there that whenever I've seen color images from like the set, I'm always like, oh my God, that just, just like, see, like, like, I love, I love Lucy. Oh, Full disclosure, I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan. And uh, the, you know, the, the sparing image out images out there of, like, the set in color has always been fascinating to me. So to, like, get the chance to see an episode of I Love Lucy, unlike the ones that have been coming out that are colorized, but, you know, to actually see it in color has always been really intriguing to me. So to see this in color would just be something different to see, you know, I, just to see how different it is and um, how it was shot with that color point of view, I think would be kind of interesting. Um, sort of like the, the fan of uh, black and white. Uh, Confess, and
0: Jeffrey, name. you just want to see the gore.
1: Well, I want to see the gore. Yes. <laughs> but but uh, I think it would be interesting, like the sets and stuff, because I'm, I'm sure they, you know, really, you know, whether, They knew it was going to be in black and white or not, or whether, you know, the original intention was always black and white or not. I'm sure the sets were gorgeous and intricate and had, you know, really different color tones and all that kind of stuff. So all of that would be really fascinating to see. Um, If this was like a DVD production, I could see them including the color version as like a DVD extra because this is a streaming type of situation, and uh, I don't know if they will ever release an actual physical hard copy of this. You know, there's part of me that in the back of my mind under the special features on um, Disney+. Plus, it'd be kind of neat to see this in color. Um, I don't know. I don't know if it will, we'll ever see the live day. But it would be kind of interesting. Okay, so we haven't talked about any of the characters. Uh, we briefly talked about Werewolf by Night, period. Whether we were familiar with him. So let's talk about him as a character. Vinny, your thoughts on Jack Russell?
2: He was interesting because right from his introduction, he had a different tone than the rest of the hunters. There was clearly something that was different about him. And I did not know enough to know that that was who the werewolf was going to be (laughs) because I didn't deep dive my research. I I deliberately didn't go back and learn more about him before I watched. So when he ended up being the werewolf, it, it, it became obvious very quickly he would be. But in the beginning, when you first meet him, he didn't fit in. He didn't seem like these guys. So at first I was like, so is he going to be one of those guys that like comes off well-spoken, polite, respectful, and then he just loses his shit and goes on a rampage? Uh, So I really liked him right off the gate because he was mysterious and he didn't match the tone of the other characters. So I was excited to see where his character was going to go.
1: Priscilla, what about you? I know you're excited for the representation. Talk to me about your impressions of Jack and your overall thoughts on the character throughout this special.
0: Throughout the entire episode or just uh, from the beginning? Throughout the entire special. Okay, so I knew that he was going to be the werewolf because I heard casting news. So when I saw him, I was shocked because I've seen him in, like, Mexican film and I've seen him in American film. He's a very handsome man. And to have him have, like, those, that makeup in his eyes so it looks like they're sunken in and the white dots everywhere. I was like, you tried really hard to make this man not look attractive and you failed. Like, what? How? And that accent, that accent is beautiful. I've only heard, like, wh- like one other person have that. And that's in the Star Wars universe, so Disney apparently really likes people with accents. And Sam Hayek, too. So, it works. And, I don't know, like, I never expected him to be the kind of guy that is well-laced and then, like, goes fucking apeshit and turns. Always thought he was controlled. And, I figured that that was gonna be the same thing with the werewolf. Like, I don't know. Maybe I've seen too much Teen Wolf, but I didn't expect him to forget like, or to need reminding that some people need saving and others people don't. Especially when we saw him interact with the other monster that he was trying to save, I I thought that he was fully cognizant. So to have kind of the best of both worlds and have a mad wolf. That can still have a spark of humanity in him. That's really cool. And it makes me want to read the comics. Which is exactly what Marvel wants us to do. Because I want to know more about this character. I want to know if he really is the monster with the heart of gold. And I don't know if he's got a relationship with Hustle Bloodstone. But I'd like there to be. Because I I would be disappointed if there wasn't one. Because they work really well as comrade-in-arms, but she's really hot too, and she's really controlled in the way that he's not, and they, they just, they're perfect marriage of, like, opposite dichotomies, so I wouldn't mind seeing more of them. So, yeah.
1: I will echo, Gael Garcia Bernal was fantastic. In this role, he was just spectacular. Like, I was rooting for him from the beginning. I I did know he was going to end up being the werewolf. Um, So that wasn't a surprise. I was like, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? And then when they sort of gave him the kind of typical werewolf traits, you know, it's the full moon, he doesn't have control over his transformation, but they also gave him that twist Where he had only done it once before, but, you know, he can, you know, sort of try his hardest to retain some of his humanity so he doesn't attack the wrong person. That was really interesting as well. Uh, The performance was fantastic. I mean, this this was just a like 54 minute production, but it gave me the vibes of a feature film, which I think was really important. And also it went by
0: really fast. Yes. That was what I like. We were talking about world night before this podcast uh, listeners. And I mentioned that I was going to say something. And the thing is, I watched this and once it finished, I was like, was it 15 minutes?
1: And, was it fifteen minutes? Yes. And, Literally, and, you I blinked and it was and done. Like, no,
0: it was an hour.
1: What? Yeah. It was.
0: It, it just. It is it so good that I was sucked in and didn't notice that time was passing, or is it that everything was rushed and I couldn't tell time was passing? I
2: think I no, was it was so good. Oh, I okay. It's well, because. In the beginning, the pacing was slower as we got to know the characters, and then I can't pinpoint exactly when it happened. The hunt? But it did kind of pick up... I think the hunt, yeah, I think that actually would make sense. It did kind of pick up the pacing of unraveling the plot to us, so I think it was a balance. And clearly, this is like
1: Marvel's experimentation with these specials. Once again, as I mentioned before, we will see this in action very soon with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. So we're going to see what they do with that then, uh, from what I've read, at least rumors, uh, it'll have a similar runtime. And I've also read other articles where Marvel might be implementing these special presentations in the future for other characters that they don't deem worthy enough, or they don't think there's enough content for a six to nine episode series they're gonna start handing out more of these uh special presentations which will be interesting to see if they are as well written and as entertaining as this one then bring them on i will be here for it um i I do think some characters warrant a longer experience with them meaning they, they i think There are characters that deserve a series, whether it's six episodes, nine episodes, 18 episodes, as Daredevil allegedly is getting. There are some characters that warrant that, but there are others that don't. Um, You know, we only need maybe glimpses into their worlds before we see them again. Um, To be quite honest, I would not mind a sequel to this. If these are special presentations where it's just one episode, um, I would not mind a sequel. I'm just saying. Um, you know, a yearly Halloween tradition or maybe not yearly, but you know, maybe every couple of years as a Halloween tradition, show us werewolf by night, with another spooky Marvel yes. character. That would be kind of neat. Like a team up or something. I don't know. Priscilla's already started talking about Elsa Bloodstone. Let's talk about her even more. Vinny. We got a lot for Elsa Bloodstone in this episode. She was like the estranged daughter of Ulysses' bloodstone, she had left, basically, the compound, and she's back, and she wants the actual bloodstone, this powerful, supernaturally infused uh, gem. What did you think of her? By the end of it, she does have the power, and she's basically in charge of the bloodstone manor. What'd you think of her as a character throughout the entire run, and um, how much of a badass was she? I know you love a, a vampy badass, <laughs> and she was a vampy badass.
2: I mean, she was a vampy badass. She wasn't as much of a badass I expected her to be based on Elsa in the comics, but she was appropriate enough. She had the biting sarcasm, the wit, and she didn't let all the negativity of like you know her stepmother coming at her and like making fun of her and being derogatory. Um, she was a great character, you know, for the introduction to the MCU, even though this is a one-off special, Elsa Bloodstone is such an interesting character because she does have so many parallel. Characters to classic horror and ties to universal classic characters that were morphed into Marvel characters that I've always wondered what her debut would look like and how it would go over and this was the perfect time so I, I loved the way that they portrayed her uh, you know she reminded me a lot of like the mysterious woman that walks into the detective's office in the film noir My husband mysteriously died, and I need your help finding his killer. Like, she just had that whole femme fatale thing going on, and I loved her, you know, the the way that she just kind of was, like, offish and bitchy, but not bitchy in a bad way. You could tell that the character had been wronged and had a lot on her shoulders. And, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. I think it was really well played. My only caveat is that she's supposed to be a redhead. And I think they made her a brunette, I think it was, or, like, an ebon-haired character. Like, one big thing about Elsa Bloodstone is she is a ginger, so I was kind of sad that at the end, her jacket ended up being blood red and her hair wasn't. And if it was, it was too dark to tell. But other than that, yeah, I think she was great.
1: Priscilla, do you have anything to add in regards to Ms. Bloodstone?
0: Thank God she wasn't a redhead. I hate redheads. Oh. So, to
2: see <laughs> I'm her a redhead. As, like, i mean, it a- But I'm a redhead.
1: <laughs> How dare you?
0: Exception, but
1: we just lost oh. all of our gingers. <laughs> Sorry, that's those are Priscilla's. That's not uh, that of uh Papi Chula Radio. I'm just saying.
0: <laughs> but God, she was such a powerful brunette, and with that, like I'm gonna say again, makeup on point. It's black and white, but like that dark lip, <gasps> so good. It's so ampy and powerful like just kind of showing that like she can be feminine and a badass too and like little hints to the fact that they use the same like universe's martial arts because she used the same like spin flip kick thing into like putting someone down that black widow uses i loved it it and she's so i i know nothing about this character but the fact that she held her own in a room full of killers and when another killer is at her throat when she's with a werewolf like she doesn't panic she just she just starts thinking like what can i use in this room to get the hell out of here And she was grabbed in the throat, like, twice, once by, like, the Asian guy who she quickly, like, chops off his hand, and the other by the monster, and she didn't even flinch, and she was, like, caged with a werewolf, and again, she didn't flinch. Like, I am in awe of this woman, and it leaves me thinking, I want to know more about Elsa Bloodstone from the comics, because... The scant taste that I got is not enough. I need more.
1: Right. I agree with you on that. Laura Donnelly was fantastic. Uh, she, she ate that roll up. Uh, I am excited that she is a part of the MCU. I'm so intrigued by this character. She was just awesome from the beginning to the end. Once again, another character. Once we were introduced to her, I was like, okay, I'm rooting for you because Harriet Sampson Harris is up to no fucking good. <laughs> so I did not trust that character from the beginning. But uh, Elsa, I was here for. She was awesome. And Priscilla, how dare you call Dr. Theodore Salas that monster? Let's talk about Man-Thing. A character I had heard about. I had no idea what he looked like. And then we saw him, and Ted was Everything. How a character that I could not understand a single thing that he said was, like, the heart and soul of this Marvel special presentation. I don't know how they did it, but what a fascinating CGI creation. And, and even seeing, you know, an image of Man-Thing from the comics, like, what an accurate representation on our screen of this intriguing, swamp-thingy type of creature. You know, a, a creature that still has its humanity. Um, hello, Ted. And uh, can do some redonkulously gnarly, horrific things to people. That whole disintegration thing? Beautiful. Beautimous, as some would say. Just Fantastic. Uh, I don't know if either of you have anything to say about Ted, a.k.a. Man-Thing, but let's talk about him.
2: So, I went to the comic book store the day before yesterday, and I discovered there is an anthology of all his appearances, and it's, like, super, super thick. I didn't realize Man-Thing had such an extensive history.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Do-do-do-do. Yes. I I did the, the whole thing that my father does, and I confused the shit out of DC Swamp Thing with Man-Thing. So I was like, huh? When he came out, and his, his description, I was, I know nothing about Man-Thing. But the fact that his name is Ted and that other monsters understand him, but nobody else does, is very charming to me. And that power—the acid goo that comes out of his hands that disintegrates things—dang, what? That's good. I want to see that in color. I want to see what that does. Like he's just so—I keep calling him that monster because I'm—I'm worried that I'm gonna—I'm gonna trip up and call him Swamp Thing instead of calling him. <laughs> but That's I funny. should call him Ted that is his name. That is and his name. And he's when he tells Elsa Bloodstone, "Just be nice to him and call him Ted," and she freaks out. But automatically, like in her head, she's like, "Shit, I gotta, I gotta be calm because this, this thing—I don't know what capabilities it has—and I need to get him on my side." And she puts her hands up and she's like, "Ted, he's that way." I was like, "Wow, this is so cool. He's." He's another monster with a heart of gold, and I didn't think I—I I, I knew we were gonna get werewolf being monster with a heart of gold. I didn't expect the turn that him going after a monster meant that he was gonna save the monster, and I was completely fooled by the clips that we saw before this came out, where you have Gal Garcia Bernal, but at a hedge and then all of a sudden a big monster hand grabs him. I I thought that it was like going to kill him or he was going to fight. And to go to be kind of like a bro hug like where he's like boo. Like that's so cute. I love it.
1: I agree. I agree with all of that. Man thing was so fascinating, so cool. Um a little leftward. There was a man thing movie made in the year two thousand five. I have never seen it, but just you know, if y'all are curious, it's probably not good. But it's it's, there is a movie out there. If you're curious about um, man thing, yeah, it premiered on the Sci Fi Channel.
2: So and that um, should tell you everything about it right there.
1: That really should tell you everything about it right there.
2: <laughs> but yes i've seen it it's bad and not bad in a good way no not even bad in a good way
1: okay well you know it's out there if y'all are curious about man thing just know just it's to... it's clearly not a part of his continuity
2: just to give you a, a hint the first four words of the description of the movie are when a greedy oil baron oh yeah it's mm-mm Well, there is that.
1: But this special does introduce us, not overtly, but, um, you know, via some of the imagery that we see in it. You know, from the drawings that we saw and uh, the, uh, the various trophies around the Bloodstone Manor. It does introduce us to other potential monsters that we might see in the MCU at a certain point. Because, I mean, clearly this is the official introduction to monsters in the MCU. We saw the Nosferatu. uh, We saw Wendigo and Sasquatches. uh, um, And, and yeah, there was also, there was a little Easter egg with uh, a potential teaser of the Black Knight which was a character that we were introduced to back in uh, The Eternals. So uh, this special really did not just open the door, but I think it kicked the door in, in regards to like really letting monsters express themselves in the MC, or at least introducing us to, the f- to to just the concept, the idea, the knowledge that monsters have been out there, we might not have seen them. Captain America didn't fuck with them. But they were out there. And uh, these monsters are letting their presence be known in the MCU. Which is exciting, I think. I'm here for it. I'm pumped. Me too. Yeah. It's going to be neat. Especially seeing just the visual representations of them. You know, whether they use CGI or as they did. Here, I mean, they did a mix of both. They did CGI with Man-Thing, and they did a lot of practical stuff with the Werewolf by Night transformation, which was kind of neat to see.
0: I mm-hmm. I didn't mention that, but when Werewolf by Night turned into the werewolf, it kind of reminded me of the makeup that we saw in, like, An American Werewolf in Paris, and Teen, and not not yes. Teen Wolf the show, but, like, Teen Wolf the movie and i really liked that like i'm glad they didn't go for cgi with him it was practical effects when done right and i'm saying when done right because you can do werewolves really wrong and shout out for that to harry potter and buffy both of those the werewolves are terrible but in this it was just so good like it Perfect amalgamation of human and animal in, like, and not looking like they just put carpet on someone or something. Like, it just, it, it was, it was good. And I think it would match up really well if they did, like, a Dark Universe movie with him, with whoever Jon Snow is freaking playing in Marvel, with Blade. Like, I, and Moon Knight, I would, I'd be totally down for that.
1: Right? That would be fantastic, or Moon Knight, Werewolf by Night, and Blade. I just mm-hmm. want all of the, the you know the characters that know about monsters and creepy stuff to uh, team up. I mean, it's just fantastic. Yes, yes, yes. Wonderful stuff. Let's talk about the Bloodstone, the magical MacGuffin that was used in the series, which had that beautiful red color in this black and white world. What did we think of this mystical gem, and uh, are we curious about other sort of magical doodads out there that can control monsters, force monsters to reveal themselves. I mean, it seemed to have a lot of powers that were expressed over the course of just this one special. I don't know if we will ever see it again, outside of, you know, maybe when we see Elsa Bloodstone again. But uh, are we excited about just having some more magical, mystical items that are out there in the world that aren't necessarily at Carmartage?
0: Heck, yes. Although... I, wh- I, again, I know nothing about this, so when I saw the Bloodstone, I was like, this is gonna be good, like, something's gonna happen, and when there, it basically controls monsters and, like, allows them to shift at different cycles, a part of me was, like, thinking in the back of my head, Ulysses Bloodstone must have been a lazy asshole hunter then, because he can basically control them! You can tell them, hey, like, come over here, hey, turn back, and then ram him with a sword or something, like, so all of his kills that his step-wife or whatever the hell you want to call that crazy kooky old lady, like, it, all the all the pride that she had is basically misattributed, I, and a part of me is like, Elsa, you don't even need the damn bloodstone you're better than that
2: so funny thing about the stepmother did either of you recognize the actress yeah harry samson harris yes, yeah felicia tillman on desperate housewives i was so happy I loved
1: yes her. felicia tillman one of the best creations on on, yes. on tv
0: she was she, so good she ate up all of her scenes mm-hmm. like and that's what she's and always going against Gal Garcia Bernal and whoever played Elsa Budstone. Like, these, these are really good actors. And I'm sorry to say, but she kind of took it.
1: She was good. She's always good in everything. I, I think she, she would be classified as a character actor. And she's always in character and plays these fascinating uh, uh, creations. I, I, I loved her from beginning to end. I was going to ask a question about her, but I guess since we're talking about her. Any other thoughts on uh, Verusa? outside of she was fantastic and and her comeuppance was awesome
2: yes it was amazing
1: it was brilliant oh my god just to watch her disintegrate and be tossed like a rag doll
0: it's like snow white's evil stepmother turned into the old lady but had like this bitter sarcastic twist to her like a part of me was like shit i know that her mother probably died raising her or some other tragic thing. I don't know. I don't know. So Bloodstones backstory. But she probably got some of the biting wit from her, from her stepmother, because her stepmother was funny as hell, and she ate of her scenes. And, like, I cracked up when she sees her husband in the the coffin, and she's, like, kind of stroking him and trying to be sexual with it. And I'm like, dude, you're about to Like, have some necrophiliac love here. Like, he, she's, she's getting deep into her role. I was worried that the... (laughs) I mean, they already
1: put motors in him in other areas, so you never really know.
0: (laughs) We already saw an in American Horror Story once. Horror Stories, we might as well see it here. But I'm gonna say, I, her death, so satisfying. Uh, the only thing that sucks is that that means we're never going to see her again. And the actress was
1: really good. Trudette. But it was still fantastic. And the pure comedy of the Haunted mansioniness of Ulysses Bloodstone, I love that. Because at the start of this special, we really didn't know when it took place. We still don't really even know... If it's on a different Earth. Uh, In my mind this is all still a part of the, you know, the Earth 616, the Earth that the MCU proper takes place in, until I'm told differently. But because it was in black and white, and also, you know, the the clothes, the location, we were heavily misdirected in regards to when this production is supposed to take place in. And then by the end, when Somewhere Over the Rainbow comes on and the color bleeds through, we realize it's the present day. So that was kind of neat. What did we think of the usage of Somewhere Over the Rainbow, the color bleeding through, and uh, the time frame for when this took place. Uh, any thoughts, theories? Uh, do we have a theory as to why it went from black and white into color outside of just Michael Gianchino's uh, decision to have it be black and white into color? Do we think there's any MCUE
2: significance to that? I almost feel as if the Bloodstone itself was the reason because it's so powerful that like when you don't have it, your life is just drained. If that makes any kind of sense. Like and then when you possess it, it, it like liven it's like a drug, right? Like I'm not saying it's a good thing, but it's almost kind of like normal life and then you get this super wow powerful mystical object and all of a sudden everything is that much more beautiful. That's how I kind of interpreted it, but I am probably wrong.
1: I like it. We can um we can go with that. Why not? I don't know if how I interpreted it. Um I, I think there was a significance to Elsa getting it, clearly, uh, because when she got it, is when the color started to seep through, and it did seem to sort of seep through through the Bloodstone, so I, I don't dislike your theory, Vinny. I, I think maybe there's something to that. Clearly, it's just a part of the aesthetic that they wanted for the special, yeah. but I do wonder if there's a particular significance as to when the color started to like fully be embraced on the screen. Um, I, I, you know, it's Marvel and they typically don't do things just willy nilly. Like there is a significance or a reason for it.
2: And uh... I found the answer if you want it. Oh, go ahead. Um, so the composer's last director quoted that he always hoped it would be shown in black and white, but they actually, he needed to persuade Kevin Feige to do it. And so while they were filming, they had a separate monitor that was only showing black and white feedback. So he could see how it would look in black and white versus color. And then at one point, Kevin actually looked over to him and was like, I guess we kind of do have to release this in black and white, don't we? So it was a stylistic thing that everyone got on board as soon as they saw it, because it did give that feeling and that homage to the old classic horror, which is what they were going for. Listeners, if you're feeling a moment of deja
1: vu, it's because Priscilla said that, like, about 50 minutes ago. um...
2: Right. (laughs) So, Priscilla, you get to say those three words again.
0: I'm not going to. But...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. No, but, no, but, I mean, there has to be a significance as to when the color came in. Yeah, and the 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 black and white, yes, it, it was a a stylistic choice. But when the color came in, I feel like there has to be a reason. If not, you know, it, it, I mean, whatever. But uh, but yeah, I, I feel like there has to be some sort of reason. Priscilla, were you a little hoodwinked in regards to because of the black and white motif, thinking? that either this was on a different Earth or that this was in the past? Were you surprised that once the color did, you know, fully express itself on our screen, were you surprised that it was in the present day, or at least, you know, in modern times?
0: No, because as much as the kooky evil stepmother was dressed in, like, old Victorian gear everyone else from Elsa Bloodstone to... Ted, not Ted. To, um... Gargar Bernal's character. Uh... To freaking the other hunters. They all had this sort of modern, almost futuristic in some instances, like, the person that was in the white costume, like, feel to them. And really? you don't get that if it's, like, in the past. So, the, their costuming... Like... Elsa Bloodstone reminded me of Emma, like from Once Upon a Time, and the fact that her her leather jacket was red was Mwah! peace to resistance. Love it, but yeah, they all had the the cut of the outfits was just modern. Really, I the I... only one that wasn't was the Irish Scottish. I don't know what he is like guy with the huge X. Like he he straight from like the Fergus. How to Train Your Dragon past.
1: It's interesting, because I like a lot of old movies. And for me, while modern, yes, but modern within the past hundred years is what it would be for me. I mean, they all looked sort of like of the time of black and white for me, the costuming, like 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, They all had that style. Um, So I didn't see them as modern, as you did, Priscilla. So uh, I I didn't really fully get hoodwinked. Like, I hoped that it would be in the present day just because I want these characters to interact with present-day Marvel heroes and to see them again in the present day. But uh, I thought they did a good job with the costuming to make it so much so that you could question it.
0: I'm gonna say, like, Meet you halfway and say that they have a timeless quality to them. Timeless, I like that. But it also could be argued that it could be 10 years ago. It could be argued that it's 10 years in the future. Like, it's just classic.
1: Yes, I agree with you on that. So uh, we haven't really discussed the plot, like the official plot, even though we've been discussing everything else. But the the main plot is, you know, the Bloodstone and who's going to get it and there's going to be a hunt and the hunt is for the Man-Thing, you know, Jack and Man-Thing are familiars and Jack is there to rescue, he's posing as a hunter to rescue Man-Thing, they are successful in rescuing him, there are sequences where there are fights with the other hunters, arms are sliced off, uh axes to the brain, arrows into the neck. I mean, there's so much violence and gore. It is beautiful, as Priscilla would say, chef's kiss to all of the gore and the the blood and the violence and all that kind of stuff. It's safe to say by the end of the special, all of the hunters outside of uh, Jack... And uh, Elsa are killed. We have a spectacular transformation because once the the man thing escapes, Jack is captured. He is um, proven to be a monster because monsters cannot touch the bloodstone. And so uh, you know, he's in a cage with Elsa, and he ends up not mauling her. He ends up mauling everybody else. They're interesting. The internet said this. I I mean, I kind of saw it, but I didn't fully see it as I was watching it. A lot of the guards were very TVA-ish from Loki. You know, they had those batons. They're not the same batons because the ones that we saw in the special seemed to be um, electrocuting the people that get batoned. Uh, So it's more like a taser type of thing, whereas the TVA has those batons, but, you know, you get bopped with those batons and you disintegrate. So it was a little different, but uh, it was a nice little nod to the TVA. Uh, Any thoughts on just the main action? Was there a favorite moment, whether it's any of the hunt or the transformation, or the big fight at the end. Uh, Any thoughts on just the overall plot and the major moments from this special? Vinny, since you were talking a little bit, uh, I'll let you go first.
2: You know, as I said in the beginning, I think any time that you endeavor to do something unique like this in the black and white medium with, you know, some old tropes from previous generations of media. It, it can be really hokey and really bad. but they did an amazing job. I, I think that the the execution of a lot of the fight scenes and just the the characters that needed to be overly dramatic, being overly dramatic and being overacted, like I, I give a chef's kiss to this entire production because it was really interesting for them to choose to do this out of nowhere. It was timed perfectly for Halloween. Specifically the fighting, i they could have gone overboard and they didn't. They kept it tasteful, I guess is the right word, like tastefully minimalist. We got the violence where we needed it. And, you know, we got the appropriate amount of gore. We got some great things going on. So, yeah, I think it was really, really well done. Priscilla, what about
1: you? Highlights, favorite moments, your thoughts on the overall plot?
0: Um, They had some hokey moments, like when he's got the bomb and he comes back and he's like, how do I use this? And even more hokier moment where he puts it on and it falls. And I'm like, I knew it was going to fall. And he goes back and he puts it back in the right spot. And luckily it doesn't blow him up. Like, it's very slapstick and almost, like, not worth putting in this one. Because I felt like the tone wasn't right for it. But those are the only outliers to what I thought was, a, like, a solid like, hour of TV, like, and I will say I felt kind of gypped with some of the deaths of the Hunters because while some deaths were epic, like, the Asian guy who had his hand chopped off by Elsa Bloodstone before she shot him through the pallet with his own crossbow, you have others, like, the, I will say, the the African-American guy who got, like, I think it was an axe to the head, or was it a knife? I don't remember. But he had, he he just got like chopped on the head, like a head, like someone putting his, a knuckle to a little kid's head. But this one split him in like half up there. And I thought that was cool. But like others, like the white character, didn't get satisfying deaths, and that's she that, like, had
1: an axe and... that sliced her skull open.
0: I don't know, I felt like it was, like, I wanted to see Ted rip it up more, I wanted to see, like, another, like, if we already saw the axe used before, I wanted to see another weapon, or, I don't know, just twists, something different for each one to show, like, how they're different hunters and fight in different ways, but it it didn't turn out like that, and that's what you just me, I loved and correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it when they were fighting at some point that the blood spatter goes on the camera itself yes. and, and it's black? That yeah. was a beautiful touch. I loved it. Other than that, like, the uh, I've, I will reiterate the death scene of the stepmother was oh, satisfying. And Elsa... Like, him smelling Elsa before and being like, I need to recognize your scent. And the werewolf pinning her and smelling her and being like, okay, you're fine. And leaves. Like, is it weird that it was almost sexual? Like, when he was on top of her and pinning her, I was like, damn. And he looks like a monster. How? But I guess it's that whole Beauty of the Beast sort of thing.
2: Even though they were
0: just comrades in arms and they're... They're, from what I felt before there's like no chemistry there's like no and I mean no chemistry isn't like they're bad together I just mean like they're neutral there's nothing there they're just comrades in arms and that the werewolf brought that out I was like I'm confused and charmed. I, I I love this so yeah those are the only details that I can bring
1: out, but yeah. Well, the fact that you found sexual chemistry there, I mean, there are people out there that have a crush on on adult Simba. So, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's a thing for people. <laughs> Shout wow. out to the furry community, too. But, wow.
0: Uh... You can't even be, like, <laughs> a- 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 going into a- animal human people, like... The Thundercats. You go straight to Adult Simba.
1: There's a whole yes. thing online. If you have never Googled it or stumbled upon it, it's interesting. Um, But yeah, Adult Simba.
0: No, anyway. I think one of the funniest mm-hmm. things I've ever heard is somebody on Post Secret was like, my first crush was the squirrel from Sword in the Stone from Disney Sword <laughs> in the Stone. And I was like, what? <laughs> What?
1: Shout out to oh. the squirrel. Uh, okay. <laughs> Making a canon on werewolf by night. <laughs> it's too much, too much, too much. I'll give you just a half a second of pushback, because you called it hokey. I called it comedic. Like, I liked the lighter moments in this. You know, I enjoy horror with a little bit of comedy. So, like, the, the little comedic stuff that they did with Ted, and even the comedic thing with the bomb... Uh, Because I was very worried either of them was going to get kaboomed. Like, I knew that they wouldn't just because plot armor, at least with Jack, because he's the star of it. I mean, hello, it's called Werewolf by Night. But the comedicness of it, I I did, I enjoyed it. I I thought it was, it was cutesy. It wasn't, um, I wouldn't call it hokey, but it's, it's okay, Priscilla. But um, moving on from that... Um, was there anything that I missed? Anything that anyone wants to discuss before we talk about the future? I want everyone to grab their crystal ball, because I want us to make some maybe bold predictions for what's to come. But before we get into that, anything that I
0: missed? A
1: tiny moment that anyone wants to chat about?
0: I liked how they exited the locked room where, she's, where she had to think about it, and she's like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, my aunt is crazy and always wanted an extra in case she woke up from the dead because i don't know if they read my mind but that is exactly what i thought when i thought of like those victorians that used to have bell poles to tell people like if they were still alive in in their grave like i always had a fear of that so to have her have like family that did that ah that was that was cool i i loved that it it shows beauty and brains is in that package i like it
1: okay it's Prediction time. Usually we do this at the end of a season, but this is just a special. So uh, this is all we're getting for now. Where do we see the future of Werewolf by Nights? Where do we want to see him again? Will we see him again? Do we want another special? Do we want a team up? Is he going to pop up in, we hope, Moon Knight Season 2 or something? Blade, the film? I don't know. Vinny? I don't think we're going to
2: see him again. And I'm I'm saying that to be realistic. Um, this was only ever discussed as being like a one-off special. And I, I would be very happy to see him, to see Elsa again. But I, I think that if we were ever going to, I feel like the only iteration that we would is to be like if they did another Halloween special. I think they're doing specials like these to give, you know, one-offs to fans who are into the deep, dark recesses of the Marvel comic universe. I would be very pleasantly surprised to see this iteration of characters show up in mainstream, you know, in, in another show or in another movie. But given the track record and the characters themselves, I, I would be very surprised if we saw them in a bigger manifestation than just another one-off.
1: Priscilla, do you co-sign with Vinnie, or do you have hope in your heart?
0: <laughs> uh, a little bit of both, because okay. realistically... I don't feel like we're never going to see him again. Because from how the actors have like portrayed this through interviews, like it doesn't seem like they've been embittered by the process. And realistically also, it's not like they're doing much of anything else. Oh, shade. But, like, I feel like Marvel's got gold in here to use their monsters their dark universe for halloween specials and maybe it's too much to m- wait for one for 2023 but like 2024 2025 like i expect something like this to happen again maybe and I wouldn't want to be in a marvel movie with say blade or uh forgot what his name is the dark knight black knight moon knight no, uh, Black the one from Eternals, Black yeah, Knight,
2: Black Knight from Eternals.
0: Yeah, I, I, I could see him, like I could see them approaching him to maybe form a cameo or something for that. But I'm not so certain he would agree to it. But if because a movie takes a lot out of you, but something like another TV special, maybe a couple of years from now for another Halloween, I could definitely see that happening.
1: Yeah, I I'm leaning a little bit more towards Priscilla's side of thing. Like I I think we could see him again in a small role for something else supernaturally, but I think a sequel to this as another Marvel special. I mean they haven't said that these specials can't get sequels. So a sequel to this I think could be interesting. And as Vinny said, there's an entire universe out there of these monster Characters in the MCU, why not use Halloween as the month in which some of these specials premiere? I mean, and let's be real, like, I know Marvel's doing a whole bunch of stuff, but if these are technically one-offs and they really don't fully affect the MCU proper, all that they're doing is expanding the MCU, you know, going deeper into these supernatural, spooky monster worlds, why not have a couple of specials for Halloween? Or at least a yearly one that introduce a different monster, a different horror creation. And then at a certain point, you know, once they've introduced maybe a couple years, you know, a different one, maybe having a team-up, you know, if it makes sense If it's something that's happened in the comics, you know, have a team up uh, Marvel special presentation where it's like Werewolf by Night and someone. I don't know. Just an idea. But uh, I think a yearly horror creation special presentation would be kind of neat. Any other thoughts on the future of these special presentations? This Uh is the first one. So uh, any hopes for how often we're going to see them? Or just hopes for them in general,
0: uh, Is it weird that because I'm a girl and because we don't get much of it, I kind of want a romantic one for Valentine's Day?
1: I actually read a comment where people were like, they should do these for the holidays. And they should do the MCU's first like romantic comedy for Valentine's Day. So you aren't the only person that's putting those vibes out there. And that would
0: be interesting to see. We're getting a Christmas special with, uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy. So why not Valentine's Day? I I, I would like that. But um, as I, I I've said it before, they have a whole universe that's aching to get like dug into. I didn't know about the character that you and Vinny both love, and he deserves a special. So if they had him for the next Halloween. I'd be completely down with that too. If they if they never bring him back again, it would make me sad. But this special was just so good that I wouldn't mind if they didn't bring him back. Like it it was it was well encapsulated. Although Elsa's story leaves more to be seen, so I kind of want her. If if we don't get the werewolf, if we don't get man thing, I. I desperately want Elsa.
1: You know, she could actually be a part of, like, if they do a yearly Halloween special, you know, if this is, if this special is as successful as Marvel wanted it to be, and they did a yearly Halloween special, her out there in the world, you know, her, like, introducing the next horror creation um, that's making its leap from the comics to our... Well, it isn't a big screen. Well, depending on how big your television is, so it could be a big screen. Uh, But, you know, medium-sized screen, you know, that could be interesting. Um, Yeah, Uh, I would not be opposed to Elsa being kind of like the conduit to introduce the next one, or even making a cameo. Vinny, what about you? Just general thoughts about these Marvel special presentations before we... uh, head into mvp and uh, re-rate this thing
2: i think they need to be very careful not to oversaturate Uh, as enjoyable as this was you know as wong said we are in peak tv especially for marvel i feel like they're beginning to turn them out pretty quickly and in mass quantity so i do think that they need to be careful about doing too many of them i think keeping them as you know once in a while like a halloween special a christmas special and sure i mean a valentine's could be interesting um, but I, I don't think they should go overboard in the one-offs because then you don't we want will... Arbor Day <laughs> with Swamp Thing. Um, that's DC, never mind. Um, man Thing. <laughs> there we go. Arbor Day can be man things, but no, I, I do think that they're they're good for what they are. Uh, now with the Blade movie being. Put on production halting and indefinitely not being released now. I think it is kind of sad that because Elsa would be a great conduit to no, kind of No, it did with
1: get there. a push and release date. It does have a date.
2: Oh, they do have a date. Okay, cool. Um, they I mean, don't have so a director, so that's why it was paused. Ah, okay. So I think that would be interesting. I think it would make sense for her to show up there uh as a character but for the specials themselves i think they should keep it limited to a smaller quantity just to have a bigger whammy when they do happen okay so no
1: arbor day which is unfortunate
2: no but i am all for another halloween version of this next year
1: or garbage day (laughs) (laughs) i love that you're the only one that got it (laughs) yes Anyway, I
0: still don't get it,
1: but oh, it's, it's sure. okay. You can actually youtube garbage day and you'll actually see the clip <laughs> okay. it'll be completely out of context, but it's still hilarious because it's <laughs> hilarious in the movie anyway, because mm-hmm. it's so random okay, uh all right, well, we've covered everything, so now it's time to select the m v p the most valuable player, state which character pressure throughout the episode and why once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again, so. Choose wisely. This is going to be fun. I think we all have our favorites, but let's be for real, I think the entire cast was really good. So even if you don't get your favorite, I think we'll all be able to rep who we, whoever we end up selecting. We're going to start off with Priscilla. Who's your MVP? I,
0: I know who my MVP is, and I don't know what her official name is. I know what I've been calling her in my head. And that is the evil stepmother,
1: Barusa. No, <laughs> she just—that was Barusa dying just she an hour was... That's what that sound was.
0: It was so good. Oh, her... the creepiest moment of the entire episode was her, out humping her dead husband. Like God and Priscilla. Everybody her... has needs. Her bloods, her taking the bloodstone and just kind of having it up and being like, "You will never have this. You're not good enough." Like, and setting up those traps. And even though she probably hasn't killed any monsters because all she's been doing is like being in the service of somebody who has killed monsters. Like, I I saw her as the monster. It was. She's just so good. And I like you shocked the hell out of me when you told me she was from Desperate Housewives, because I remember her and I'm like, that played that. I mean, a- she wasn't
1: really that far off. I mean on Desperate Housewives she chopped her fingers off, so. That's true.
0: That's true. I should have thought of that. With a lot of people that are good, she was the greatest.
1: So yeah. Fantastic choice. Vinny died a little inside, but he's fine, (laughs) because he's back to life, and uh, it's his turn for the MVP. And Priscilla, you can go back to searching for Garbage Day.
2: Oh, God. It's Garbage Day! I will never forget that clip. Um, You know, I never thought that Priscilla would choose (laughs) Veresa. As her number one for main character. That's too funny. <laughs> I thought I was safe. Um, no, but I had a good backup. My backup is going to be Jack Russell. Um, I could have gone with Elsa. That would be an obvious choice. But I, I think for the character that was the title character for the show, he did a really great job going against the grain of all these hunters and just being able to get by as a hunter being a monster right under their noses. I thought it was the biggest coup de grace Ever Like, I thought it was wonderful when he kind of came back from it all and flipped their head on them. My favorite moment was when he was like, this is not going to end well, when she was about to use the bloodstone on him. Like, hands down, I think he was the best character in the episode after Verisa, so he got my MVP.
1: Fantastic choice. And as much as I feel like I should pick Elsa, because I'll be honest, she was fantastic. I'm going with Man-Thing. I loved Ted. Ted was such an interesting visual creation. The CGI was on point. Uh everything about him was so expressive. And it's so strange to say because when I heard that a character called Man-Thing was going to be in this, making his MCU debut, I was like, "What in the hell?" And then I saw what he looked like in the comics, and I was like, "Okay," But what they were able to do with this CGI creature, making him so expressive, making him immediately likable, you know, just like, you know, a big, cuddly, um, sully type of creature, minus the fur, and much more like slimy gook. But yeah, he was, he was slimy, he was gooky, he was yucky and, 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 and swampy. He was wonderful and lovable and i want more of ted we might not ever see man thing again which is fine although maybe the next one could be a man thing origin story and it could be done a la frankenstein and his monster Ooh, that could be that. interesting you know he, he's in a suburban whatever he's a scientist he accidentally does something transforms himself into the man thing and the villagers are scared and they show up with pitchforks and that type of thing. Like, that could be interesting. Once again in black and white and then the color maybe seeps in at the end. Maybe. I don't know. Well, then I'll have to repeat the black and white thing. But, uh, but yeah, that sort of, you know, Frankenstein, Frankenweenie type of situation with man thing might be kind of intriguing. Anyway, that just, you know, put me in the Marvel, if you hear this and actually make it happen. You know, a thank you would be nice. Anyway, now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 bloodstones? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than it's you may grant it the coveted It's gonna be weird, but it's a golden bloodstone. Even though it's supposed to be red, but you know, we, we, we make <laughs> golden things here when it's like the best of the best. Okay, so Vinny, you get to go
2: first. Um, You know, I'm going to give it a golden bloodstone. I I really enjoyed this. And that was me clapping my hands because I was really excited to go first. Um, This really was a departure. It was something that was unexpected. It was something I honestly legitimately thought that I would never see. I did not think I would see Elsa Bloodstone get prominence in any kind of cinematic universe because she is kind of a minor character, even though there's a lot that goes on with her um so i really really think that it was well executed as far as cinematography the transition from the black and white aesthetic to the color at the very end a la wizard of oz was really really awesome and i think that it worked well for what they were trying to do but most importantly from start to finish i enjoyed myself you know they could have just made this a cheesy one-off but they actually invested in it they did a really great job choosing the cast everyone was cast really wonderfully i laughed I got excited, I was not really on the edge of my seat because it wasn't really suspenseful, but I didn't know what was going to happen and it kept me guessing the entire time, while also giving homages to classic horror, going as far back as Dracula the Wolfman, and then like Priscilla said, American Werewolf in London. There was so much that was great about this that I, hands down, I absolutely loved it. So Golden Bloodstone all the way.
1: All right, starting off strong with a Golden Bloodstone, Priscilla. What about you? Where do you stand? How would you rate this Marvel special presentation, Werewolf by Night?
0: Okay, so before I rate this, I'm gonna have to say we we paused recording this because we couldn't get Vinny on, and up and even though like we were gonna record at that time, I I was like we can't do this without Vinny because Vinny like loves horror, and I need to get his take on this. And to see that he that he who is super hard at rating gave a golden—that
1: was a little shade. It
0: is, is no. amazing. No, you know you. No, like I'm, teasing. I'm
1: teasing. I'm <laughs> teasing. Yes, Vinnie <laughs> Vinnie owns... The Real Housewives
2: of Marvel or something.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> this is one of the reunions. No, but we Vinny owns his persnickety ness. He knows. Yes.
0: That that this that it, it warms my heart that that you did that like that and it, it totally like made it worth it to to hold back on recording this until you were here well, so I
2: appreciate you guys doing that it meant the world to me,
0: of course, but okay, now, for my rating, now I'm gonna be the Debbie Downer. I'm sorry but oh. it, i can't give it the golden because i hated the the humor parts to it the 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 part the bomb part basically i was like come on everything about this is perfect except for that like it it was flapsticky lucy eating bonbons from a cake when the rest of it was horror where did this come from and but everything else, the fact that I watched it and thought, did 15 minutes pass? Was it a 30-minute show? And I didn't know that so much time had passed because I was so entertained. It has to get a 10, at least a 10 from me. If there was Can I somebody... attempt to
2: change your mind? Huh? Can I attempt to change your mind by one little reference? Yes. Igor. So, if we go back to the classic horror there was always like in the universal and not even in the non-universal because there were some like vincent price and all of that there's always been a slight undercurrent of slapstick and comedic aspects to an extent igor being probably one of the most obvious of them uh, because they did always kind of point that towards like there is the horror aspect but then there's always kind of like the dumb person or the, you know, the, the, the idiot, the village idiot, for example. So I think what they were doing there was doing a little bit of an homage to th- those characters. And I can't remember. He was in a lot of movies with Vincent Price, but there was this one guy that was kind of shorter, heavier set and balding. And he was always kind of playing the dumb idiot to Vincent Price's serious, maniacal or evil character. So that dichotomy always kind of existed. And I think what they were doing there was two things. First, they were kind of pointing out that this isn't Jack's like usual run-of-the-mill thing that he does with bombs. He doesn't mess with them that often, so he's not that great with them. And then second, I think they were doing an homage to characters like that actor and Igor and so on and so forth.
0: Okay, so this has happened before with She-Hulk. So, And listeners, if you're not watching She-Hulk, watch She-Hulk and then listen to our podcast, we're great. But he's changed my mind. I'm giving it a golden. Yeah!
1: Well damn.
0: All right. Have
1: I, you renewed you was...
2: your auto warranty
0: recently?
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was wonderful. Uh okay. I, I like it. But I do love and this was what I was gonna say before you made the change, I love how you're like, I'm gonna be the Debbie Downer and I'm gonna give it a ten. <laughs> <laughs> that was just brilliant. <laughs> I was really expecting you to go lower, Priscilla, because you're like, I'm gonna be Debbie downer.
2: So was I. I was expecting like an eight or an yeah, nine. like an eight. <sighs>
0: it, it was great. Uh, oh, I argued with my cousin who has been doing like a movie marathon of horror films since ages time past, and he watched this one for one day and he rated it a C. I was like, what's wrong with you? This is really good.
2: You know, it's yeah. interesting, though, because that's been happening with a lot of people who they it's kind of like the Mandela effect because they have this perception of these old school horror movies that they're super scary and that they were really, really good. But then if you actually go back and watch like this was actually a perfect homage because they they were good for their time.
1: Yeah. And they were. I still can't believe some of them were scary. Like, I can't believe I know. They were right? of Dracula. <laughs> like, sorry,
2: people fainted.
1: Yes, I'm like, what? Anyway, maybe, uh, yeah, that could be a whole other conversation. But, uh, yeah, it, it's always surprising that those were considered horror films. Like, I love them. Like, I have a, I have the collection on DVD. I'm actually looking at them right now. Frankenstein, Werewolf, uh, The Wolfman, sorry, uh, Dracula, etc. But they are not scary. I mean, they are entertaining, and they are, you know, sort of relics of their time. But relics in a good way. Um, but yeah, anywho, I will co-sign, not 100%, it's a golden. It was, from beginning to end, incredibly entertaining. There is the rewatchability factor. This is going to be a production, much like Hocus Pocus, and yes, Hocus Pocus 2, that will be added to sort of like that collection of yearly Halloween traditions, you know, add in... Uh, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas and and other stuff, you know, and even more traditional horror films. Like, this is going to be a tradition, because it was incredibly entertaining. It was spectacular. It was um, so timely for Halloween, and everything about it was wonderful. And as Priscilla said, you know, you blink, and it's done. Like, it was like minutes even though in reality it's like a 50 minute production it goes by so quick and uh, it was incredibly well done props to everybody in front of the camera as well as behind the scenes Uh, you know the the people that actually had to design the cgi look of man thing as well as those that had to create the practical effects that were used uh for things like uh, you know the, the animatronic, as well as uh, the transformation that Jack experienced into Werewolf by Night, all of it was just amazing. And on that note, we would like t- to thank everyone for joining us for this special presentation. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us.
2: Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram. Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at PoppyChulaRadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at PoppyChulaRadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting PoppyChulaRadio.com archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through
0: Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Avengers Initiative, Werewolf by Night, and subscribe.
1: Thanks, announcer. My co host please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Priscilla.
0: Go get sushi with your man thing. I no, I certainly did after watching this.
1: <laughs> I love that you're calling your husband your man thing. <laughs> That's adorable. Uh, it may be slightly offensive. I don't know. <laughs> Vinny, what about you? Please, the listeners, a good
2: night. Good evening and good luck. I'll be rotting for. All right,
1: Vincent Price. I like it. Thanks for tuning in. Subscribe to the Adventures Initiative Werewolf by Night via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and our Hurt radio. You can also download this special series by visiting poppychula.radio.com/archives. Good night. <laughs>